0: It's nearly time for the Great Lenten Fast.
1: It certainly is.
2: Hey, Mark Steele here, producer of Living Through the Word. We work really hard to make this podcast ministry a voice for all of the great things God is accomplishing through confessional Anglicanism and faithful Christianity. You'll notice we make this resource free to the public. There's no Patreon subscription, no hiding of premium content behind the paywall. Everyone gets the quote-unquote good stuff. But this isn't free to make. There are significant expenses tied up in the creation of a program like ours, hours of production recording, equipment, software licenses, website hosting, etc. In 2020, one of our goals is to make Living Through the Word a sustainable and growing ministry through financial support from listeners. If this podcast has helped you in your walk with Christ, would you consider giving to this ministry? A small gift of 10 or $20 will go a long way towards supporting us in our work. There is a convenient place to give online at the Living Through the Word section of adlw.org, or you can follow the link in the show notes. Thank you for your time, and without any further ado, let's start this week's interview.
0: I'm Julian Dobbs, the Diocesan Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word and host of this podcast. It's my great pleasure to be joined this week by the Reverend Caleb Evans, Rector of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Syracuse, New York. Caleb is a priest in the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, husband of his wife Elaine, And father to two precious girls, and owner of a wonderful dog called
2: Betris.
0: (laughs) Caleb, next Wednesday, the 26th of February, will mark the 2020 observance of Ash Wednesday and the beginning of the Lenten season. For many of our listeners, the Lenten fast has always been part of their life. But we have many newer Anglicans within our diocese, and we have listeners from outside of the diocese who do not follow the liturgical Christian year and wonder why and how we prepare this way for the Easter season. So now is a really good time to review as we prepare for Lent. And I like to periodically bring in one of the rectors of the diocese and drill them (laughs) down to see if they really know their stuff. So Caleb, you're on the block today. Uh, Tell us, uh, dear brother, Uh, What is the Great Lenten Feast?
1: Well, uh, now that I am on the block, I will simply note that um, the Lenten Fast has not always been a part of my life. I grew up in another Christian tradition that didn't follow the liturgical calendar, so there was a time when this was all new to me. Um, I think that The description of what Lent is about that we find in our invitation to a Holy Lent in our Ash Wednesday service uh, is a really great summary. Um, If I might, I think I will just go ahead and read that.
0: Before you do, if people have the Book of Common Prayer uh, 2019, you might want to open it at page 542 And Caleb's going to uh, reference that preface, page 542 of the Anglican Church in North America's 2019 Book of Common Prayer.
1: So, in the invitation to a Holy Lent, we read this. The first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's Passion and Resurrection, and it became the custom of the Church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. The season of Lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful, were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. In this manner, the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior. And the need that all Christians continually have to renew our repentance and faith. So, as I think about of what this Lenten fast is all about, I think it's hard to find a better description than that.
0: Yeah, that's a very powerful description, and and I, and I want to come back to that in just a moment. You said earlier that uh, the Lenten fast hasn't always been part of your Christian journey. Uh, How important is this to you now as part of your spiritual discipline?
1: Um, I I would say it's become very important to me. uh, As we um, go on to think about the significance of self-denial and fasting and Lent, I will talk a little bit more about that. Um, But it has um, become a very important part of my life uh, in every year.
0: You mentioned, Caleb, uh, that preface from the Book of Common Prayer, which underscores and outlines for us uh, some of the basis for Ash Wednesday and the season of Lent itself, but we have no direct command from the Bible to observe Lent. So when was the practice of fasting before Easter established, and when was it decided that it would last 40 days?
1: That's a really interesting question. Uh, I think the short answer to that question is uh, that uh, it was established early. Uh, There are some who would claim that the practice of Lent uh, was of apostolic origin. Um, I don't know that we can go that far, but we certainly see um, suggestions uh, of fasting before Easter in a lot of writings from The latter portion of the 2nd century, the early portion of the 3rd century. Uh, By the time we get to the Council of Nicaea in the year 325, we actually see a mention of Lent in the Canons, which would indicate uh, that its practice was uh, becoming pretty widespread and somewhat more standardized.
0: And certainly, uh, as the preface said that you read, certainly from the early days of the early church, this has been a practice. Uh, and so we're talking about something that uh, has been part of church life from the, from the very early days of the church. Uh, you are the rector of Church of the Holy Trinity uh, in Syracuse, New York. Uh, what would you tell visitors to expect when they walk through the doors of Holy Trinity on Wednesday, February 26th? that we call Ash Wednesday?
1: Well, I would expect, uh, I would tell them to expect a reminder of their own mortality. Uh, I think that Ash Wednesday is an excellent opportunity to remember as our prayer book tells us that we are dust and will return to dust. Um, And that's not a morbid and depressing kind of thing. I think in the Ash Wednesday service, Uh, And in the theme of Ash Wednesday, uh, what we really see is that we have great need of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We never think about our mortality without thinking about the wonderful truth that he saves sinners and raises the dead. Um, So on the one hand, uh, on Ash Wednesday, uh, you walk into Church of the Holy Trinity, you will see penitential prayers. Uh, We'll be getting ashes put on our foreheads, uh, ashes imposed. Um, And that uh, can all seem rather gloomy. Uh, But what it's really about is our great need for our Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Caleb, in Matthew 6, we are told to not let our fasting show before men. Does the practice of imposing ashes run contrary of Jesus' commands?
1: Well it's it's really interesting because uh one of our appointed readings for ash Wednesday uh actually comes from Matthew 6 uh, so if what we were doing uh in that instance um, were in fact contrary to what Jesus commands um then that would be kind of uh kind of ridiculous on our part um I think what we need to remember um the ashes on our foreheads are not a sign, not an indication that we are really religious, respectable, holy people who fast and do all of these incredible exertions for God. Um, in fact, um, it's, it's the case in our parish that even the smallest children receive the imposition of ashes, and they certainly are not fasting. What the ashes really indicate is, um, is our own mortality, our own need of God's grace in Christ. Um, they indicate that we are sinners, and uh, as they are imposed in the shape of the cross, they remind us that indeed our only hope is the cross of Christ.
0: Some of the uh, congregations in our diocese choose to abstain from the practice of uh, imposing ashes, as do congregations of other Anglican uh, dioceses around the world. Is, is is this okay? Is this an acceptable choice?
1: I, I would say that is absolutely okay. Um, the Bible uh, does not give us a... Uh, commandment of uh, imposing ashes on Ash Wednesday I think that both ways of observing Ash Wednesday that uh, we have described um, are perfectly fine um, because both are intended to point to the gospel
2: we're taking a short break in the middle of this episode to thank you for being a listener to Living Through the Word this is a podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast or our diocese, please visit ADLW.org on the web or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you swing by our website, stop in and sign up for our mailing list. It's right on the front page and it's the best way to stay on top of ADLW news. If you'd like to partner with us by providing monetary support, please click the Donate tab under the Living Through the Word menu on adlw.org. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope that you'll continue to be a listener to Living Through the Word.
0: I'm here with the Reverend Caleb Evans, rector of the Church of the Holy Trinity in Syracuse, New York. Caleb, what are the spiritual benefits of fasting for a Christian?
1: Well, um when we think about the benefits of fasting, I think uh, a couple things come to mind. Uh, one of which is that uh, fasting, if approached with a, a right and biblical attitude um, and a prayerful attitude, can help us to develop self control, uh, which we know is an essential in the Christian life. Um, in addition to that, w- when we fast, we realize just how dependent we are on things that uh, in a lot of ways we can't control. We rely on God to provide for us. You know, when we start fasting, we might find we get a little grumpy um, and we realize uh, just how dependent we are um, on God's mercy to us and his son and uh, his providence for all things that we have.
0: Are there any potential spiritual dangers in fasting?
1: I I think so. Um, As we approach Lent, uh, and we're talking about self-denial and abstinence and all of these kinds of things, I think we need to be careful that we uh, approach Lent and self-denial and fasting with the proper attitude. As Anglicans, uh, at the at the very core of what we believe is the conviction that we are saved by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so any kind of attitude that would lead us to think that fasting is a way of earning points with God or accruing merit or, um, or trying to demonstrate our holiness to God or other people, uh, that obviously is problematic on many levels.
0: It is often the practice of congregations during Lent to gather during the week for special times of study of the scriptures, Mm -hmm. a Lenten study, we often call it. Do you conduct anything like that at Holy Trinity Church in Syracuse?
1: We we are doing that this year. We try to do that every year. Um, This year, uh, we'll be doing a series called Life Explored, which some of our listeners may be familiar with. Uh, It is a series that uh, seemed very appropriate for Lent, as it deals with the basic questions of what we look to for peace and joy and contentment. And of course, the sad answer is that too often in our lives, what we look to for joy and peace and contentment are things other than God, uh, which is basically idolatry, um, pretty much by definition.
0: As bishop, I urge our rectors, and our prayer book requires the reading of a piece of liturgy called the Exhortation. It's handed down to us from the Reformation from Archbishop Cramner and others, and it's to be read on the first Sunday of Lent and Advent. Can you explain to those listening what the Exhortation is and what purpose it serves in your congregation?
1: Sure, I'd I'd be happy to. Um, first of all, I would say that it's wonderful that we have the exhortation, um, and in some prayer books and in some times in places, the exhortation uh, has been neglected, and I'm glad to see that in our church it no longer is. Um, the The exhortation uh, is uh, certainly uh, takes into account the fact that. Uh, we are given warnings in Scripture about approaching the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. So, so what the exhortation does is that it serves as a reminder that uh, we should approach the table in the proper way as we approach to receive. Um, and the way to approach the table in the proper way is to uh, not be sinless, flawless people because none of us meet that standard but to approach in repentance and faith in Christ uh, and in love and charity with our neighbors because the danger is great if we do not. Um, but uh, after giving given that word in the exhortation uh, shifts to how we should also approach our reception of Holy Communion with an attitude of hearty thanks to God uh, because he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, for us to die on a cross. Uh, he loved us even when we were dead in sin. And uh, he uh, gives us the, the means of grace um, and allows us to draw near to him uh, when we gather for worship through the preaching of the word and through the sacraments. And it's really a wonderful thing.
0: Caleb, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that you are the father of two beautiful girls. The season of Lent can sometimes seem serious and perhaps dark. Is there a place for children during this great fast? And how do you share this time of worship and spiritual discipline with your young ones?
1: You know, as a as a father and as a minister, um, one of the most sobering moments in, in my ministry was the first time that I imposed ashes on the forehead of my baby girl and told her that she was dust and would return to dust. Um, I, the things that we talk about in Lent um, are mortality, self-denial. All of these things really are heavy. Um, and I think that it's important that we talk about these things with our children. Um, because uh, certainly uh, they are going to learn about death uh, just by way of living in this fallen world that we're in. Um, But these things need to be presented to them in a way that uh, underlines and underscores uh, the victory that we have in Christ and his resurrection
0: the Great Lenten Fast is a time to develop spiritual discipline. Uh, I do that. I read often Andrew Murray's book on humility. Uh, and from time to time during Lent, I read or listen as an audio book to John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, these are some of my own Lenten habits, together with prayer and fasting. Uh, the books that are read in Lent And the books that the Anglican Diocese of the Clergy read are great ways for us to focus our uh, reflections upon the Lord and our journey towards Good Friday and the Cross. I've encouraged the uh, clergy of our diocese to join me for studying through Psalms 1-8. through Lent is a season, and seasons have beginning and ends. And events that happen on either side of those. Some congregations have a time of fellowship on Tuesday immediately before Ash Wednesday. Does Church of the Holy Trinity in Syracuse, New York, have this tradition?
1: Well, it's it's really interesting the the kind of uh, practice of doing what we do on True of Tuesday, which uh, in in our case uh, we all uh, gather together for a meal of pancakes. Um, Historically, that developed as um, people were uh, preparing themselves to use up all of the culinary ingredients that they wouldn't be using during Lent. Um, In our our day, as we have refrigeration and things like that, um, we don't have nearly the urgency to go through those things, but it's still a wonderful time of fellowship um, as we prepare to enter Lent. Um, and, and also just a reminder that uh, the church calendar is, uh, is uh, populated by times in which we fast and uh, sometimes is uh, populated by days in which we don't fast, we actually feast.
0: As I close, let me once again refer you to the introduction to the Ash Wednesday service found in the Book of Common Prayer on page 543. This is the invitation to a Holy Lent. Dear people of God, The first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's Passion and Resurrection, and it became the custom of the Church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. This season of Lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful, were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness, and restored to the fellowship of the church. In this manner, the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior and of the need that all Christians continually have to renew our repentance and faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the Church, to the observance of a holy Lent, by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. And to make a right beginning, let us now pray for grace that we may faithfully keep this Lent. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made, and you forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and making us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, ever and ever. Amen. I'm Julian Dobbs. And this has been living through the word. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace.